Sauron, Skeletor, Darth Vader, Michael Myers. Everybody's talking about pop music. No, that's not right. No. <laughs> Let me try again. Okay. Uh, Terminator, Gollum, Freddy Krueger, Alien, Loki, Joker, Predator, and Lecter. We didn't start the fire. No. <laughs> Today we're talking about villains. Welcome to Murdering a Podcast, two writers' journey to produce a narrative murder mystery. Are we the baddies? Are we the, <laughs> Are we the baddies? We're British, yes, we're the baddies. <laughs> it's something you have to accept when you're born British. <laughs> if you don't know, that's a sketch by uh, Mitchell and Webb, and if you look on YouTube, it is on there because it's it's become a big thing. I think that's one of the last sketch shows that actually has entered into the zeitgeist you know the catchphrases from that of, of yeah. kind of thing things like um oh you're a you're a, a brain surgeon well it's not rocket it's science not rocket science yeah it's, you know that's i've got a t-shirt that says rocket science it's not quantum physics no quantum physics <laughs> is not rocket science that's it the other way around um but we wanted to talk this week because last week there was a little bit of a, a diversion in the middle of it where we were talking about um good bad guys and what makes a good bad guy and so this week we want to talk about what makes a good bad guy but do a proper dive into yeah. it i've got nothing else <laughs> <laughs> which is your favorite okay favorite bad guys then just Ooh, off the top of your my head favorite buddy um oh now you're asking as soon as you ask me a question it all goes poof out of I, my brain I know, isn't it um i mean i think skeletor's the campest buddy that you've ever <laughs> met um i love i used to love skeletor as a kid because he just wasn't scary in the slightest as a child texas pete was the scariest oh my god texas pete super Tech was such a yeah. good show wasn't it it really I, was i mean it, it, never, it was never texas the thing pete. that made me hide behind the sofa because that was doctor who and scooby-doo mm. uh so i obviously i i probably have to say that the my favourite villain probably is a Dalek. I mean, it's it's a bit pedestrian, but I grew up with Doctor Who, and and they were the they were the main ones. So. I've got to say, one of my favourites is Hannibal Lecter. Yeah, you know, he's a, he's a, on a lot of people's lists. I think mm. um, whether it was and from... and 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 Hans Gruber, because you know. Alan Rickman. Anyone, any buddy that Alan Rickman plays is a good buddy. He is the. It's immediately like one of my favourite buddies because Alan Rickman is just or was He's just brilliant. one of the most incredible yeah. actors. Yeah. <laughs> um, I loved Alan Rickman. Um, and if you want to see, I think every every actor who is in this particular film at their best, mm. Galaxy Quest. Oh yes! Oh, it is such a good film. Yeah, I really good film. I watched it the other. Uh, it would have been sometime last year because they released a, a documentary about it, and it because you watch a documentary about something like I've just done this week. I watched a documentary that's on Netflix called uh, "Filmed in Super Marionation," which is all about the early days of um, Jerry Anderson and all the way up to the point where they. They, they sort of stopped producing the puppets and moved on to something else. Um, and now I want to watch all of Thunderbirds. Skeksis. Right, sorry. You said puppets. Skeksis. That, so growing up... Yeah. 
um, Skeksis were one of my favourite buddies um, or groups of buddies. Um, if, if you haven't watched The Dark Crystal, watch it. Um, and then watch the prequel on uh, on, on, on Netflix. On Netflix, because yeah. it, it's an incredibly just just beautiful story. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the Skeksis are really, really good scary baddies. But the, I think the scariest baddie is Freddy Krueger because he's in your dreams and you can't avoid yeah. sleep. You know, when I was again, it was when I was a kid, the because I ha- I didn't see those films until I, I was over over 10 11 years old so when i was going to rec- uh, to uh video rental shops when i was like six seven eight years old mm. posters of freddy krueger were scary posters of hellraiser were worse see hellraiser never really scared me i because when i wa- i used to watch freddy krueger with my friend uh one of my best friends when i was a kid jody and i still wind her up to it <laughs> because <laughs> she she hates horror movies um and we used to sit and watch it and um looking back on it some of the effects because of course you know that was made in the 80s some of the effects were really awful but they i were. think actually it just makes the effects that are good like the massive amount of blood shooting out from a bed or yeah uh you know that that uh, face in the wall thing, which is the simplest thing to do, but it really did make it look good. And I have no idea why in the remake, little bit of a rant, sorry about this, I have no idea why in the remake they had to do that in CGI, why they couldn't have just done it practically, it would have looked a thousand times better, it really, really would. Practical effects usually work better than, than CGI in my head. Where possible, do practical, where you can't, then make damn sure you've got really good CGIs. And this um, is why the original... Carpenter's thing is much better than the 2010, 2013 remake. And I think this is too much CGI. Where with like Alien, one of the things that works well with Alien, the first movie, is you never see the alien. You just Mm. see bits of it. And Mm. that's what you see the dripping doors and then the mouth coming out of the mouth and then yeah. you just or you see, you hear the clicking you see the goo you it it, it, it you see the face huggers, but you you never see the full alien you don't see the and full it, alien yeah it lost something when you saw i think when you saw the full thing in in, in later movies and and even actually the- in later movies to some extent you don't really properly see the whole the whole thing because i remember getting the the first time they released a box set of all the alien films on dvd and some of the special features they had behind the scenes of of, of alien and they showed the guy getting done up in the alien makeup and then sitting in the alien makeup and it looks so disappointing (laughs) but when you see it on screen it's this amazing kind of monster thing but even (laughs) even in aliens where they expand it a bit more you do see a bit more of the body and although there's a lot of sort of tail movement that kind of covers it and you see the big mother alien at the end even then it was filmed in such a way to make it look good um and yet just seeing it bare on a on a set, sitting sipping a coffee through a straw because couldn't take the head off. It just looks so fake. That's just it. When you said about him sitting there, I was like, I just imagine him sitting, reading a book, drinking a cup of tea with a pair of little glass of spectacles <laughs> at the end of his alien yeah, nose what it was. going, you know, and it's like, that. that's brilliant, alien drinking tea. But, <laughs> or coffee, whatever. 
but that's the thing. I mean, when you say, what's your favorite buddy? There's so many. There's so there are. Many and there's so many different types as well, because, you know, we've said alien, obviously, uh, but, but so disconnected from the world of the slasher movies, so the Freddy Krueger's and Mike Myers and, uh, and that thing. And then again, disconnected from, uh, you know, maybe the, 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 the Daleks that I've mentioned before, because they're a different, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. they're aliens, but they're a different sort of alien, they work in a different sort of way. They Have you gone. ever seen It Follows? Yes, I love it. That is a brilliant bad guy. That is a it, It's one of those horror films that it's one of the first in a long time that I thought was this a real good proper horror film. Yeah. Uh, because and the thing I like about it follows is quite literally it it follows. Follows and you <laughs> cannot escape it. And it's the same reason why I love Freddy Krueger is you cannot escape the horror once it follows yeah. you you yeah. are damned until you pass the curse on to somebody else doesn't matter how fast you are and i think and the scariest enough, thing is the, a the slow thing, bad guy <laughs> the thing works the same way as well doesn't it the yeah. thing works about you know they're all trapped in the same place they can't get out and any yeah. any one of them could be the, the thing yes or any and you don't know random thing and you don't know and there's no real easy way to tell so you know a lot of the horror of it and uh, okay there's a lot of body horror stuff in there as well and you know part of the horror of it is seeing some somebody's head come out of their stomach and stuff but that's actually not why the film works because if it was yeah. just gore then the remake would have worked, worked just as well and it didn't yeah um i mean there's nothing wrong with just pure gore because you know excessive unrealistic levels of gore is always good in a horror film but <laughs> <laughs> but you have um, to have other things as well you can't you just do have, have to that. have things like a storyline and, and I, I think that's what evil dead and the thing and that genre <laughs> gets right you know and, yes. and the, the freddy films get right there is yeah. a lot of gore in them but it gets everything else surrounding it right as well yeah there is uh, and it's for me it's the in if the if the baddie is inescapable then that makes yeah. a good baddie um like freddy krueger is in your dreams you physically cannot keep staying awake you will fall asleep eventually or you will become delirious and you've got a choice of your choices aren't great um but again it's like hellraiser you open the box you're marked the cenobites are going to come for you mm. so it's yeah, the I, same thing there i love hellraiser I love it as a film. I love it as a franchise. I love the every single thing that they've the, produced. I just, but the, first, the first three films are great. Number four is oh, meh, yeah. and it's just downhill from there as the studio just kept it. making as many crappy films as possible so they could just keep the license going. That's all the yeah. reasons why they've done it. I um, think it's the later ones for me, they just became funny. And then it was like, Sure. That was it. It was funny from that point. The first one, I watched the first one when I was quite young. Um, yeah, same here. And I watched that, I think, no, actually, no, I think it was, Freddy Krueger was the first, actually, no, no, Hammer Horror was my first horror introductions. <laughs> um, when well, I those were, Hammer Horror, by the time that we were in our, you know, just, yes, pre-teens, mm. was on not that late at night, during over a weekend yeah. so you know you you, you could easily the see the thing them. is 
the worst thing is, right, I remember I was watching a Hammer Horror and it was a vampire one and the vampire got their head cut off. And I, I think it was Hammer Horror, but it was that sort of era. era. Mm. And the vampire got their head cut off and the blood just kind of went... Bleh. And I went... <laughs> and my reaction... I was must have been about eight or nine. And I was a kid. And I turned around to my mum and went, well, that wouldn't fucking happen. I didn't swear. I was like, no, that wouldn't happen. And she was like, no, it wouldn't. You're absolutely right. I was like, yeah, the blood would spurt up and go everywhere. There would be a shower. And and my mum and I just had a conversation about, you know, um, <laughs> whether the blood work was right and the, and the special effects were right. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I loved... Those, I mean, the birds, people go on about how that's this amazing, scary film. And it is terrifying. The concept of birds attacking is, con- is, is, is yes, terrifying. Yes, but I mean, Hitchcock was always more sort of psychological. It's, it's a thriller. That's it's it, not yeah. a horror. Um, that's it. It's not a horror. It is. It is. Yeah, that's it. It's not. It's a great thriller. It's not a horror. Mm. Mm. Like you say, and not not built to be either. Whereas no. Psycho, I think, is more of well. Again, even Psycho, Norman Bates uh, uh, is arguably one of those sort of iconic movie yeah, villains. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yet, I wouldn't really call Psycho a horror film. It's not scary at all. No, it's, it's disturbing. disturbing. Yeah, it's yeah. disturbing and creepy. creepy. And that's what what Hitchcock, the master of suspense, did very well. He's, he's makes you suspended oh yeah well that's it i mean the birds it's got no one single bad guy it's it's the birds themselves it's you know that is creepy because they're so they're everywhere Mm. Mm. and it's it's this persistent again it's the 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 body that you cannot escape you cannot get away there is nothing you can do absolutely nothing you can do to stop the inevitable and i think but also a body that uh, the this is why with 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 the birds it's it is very much a thriller rather than a horror but when you start look at things like um oh sorry my, I'm, I'm struggling with brain fog today so you'll hear it we're, we're, we're recording this well. we're recording this on the day after we've had five days of incredibly hot weather and, and both of us it. are feeling it i mean i've been <laughs> i've been I'm shattered. I feel yeah. so drained. And it's just because of the heat, nothing else. I haven't done anything for four days. I've basically, when it was that hot, I basically lay on a bed and listened to an audiobook because it was the coolest thing I could do. Yes. You know, it was the. I have to say that as often as possible. We're going to get sued to buggery if we keep doing that, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it is, it's, it's, um, if you haven't seen that, it, it's a YouTube video. It comes from a YouTube video uh, of the the brief history of the the world, and it's brilliant. Um, but yeah, I, I you know I like the the concept of inescapable bad guys. I okay, so yeah, we've we've talked about some uh, sort of iconic bad guys there, but mm. where have in uh, movie television history where have, uh, where have they got it wrong which bad guys haven't worked oh god it's that mm, now I've got to think Kylo so Ren many. oh my god yes <laughs> um, that that was that was a little bit of a, a Kylo a, Ren didn't work because Kylo Ren is not a bad guy he is no. a uh, you, you, put, you put the archetype of a spoilt teen brat into somebody yeah. with immense power and it, uh, he's morally ambiguous as well throughout the whole thing. So he's not yeah. a bad guy as such, um, which, yeah, that's, 
there is that. I think we mentioned this before. You've really got to have, it, you know, a good character will give you an emotional response. You've got to care about the bad guy enough to want him to get caught. Yes, and not just disgust either. That's yeah. the other thing. It, it can't just be, that's horrible. Because so many things could elicit that. And that doesn't necessarily mean that they're a foil for our hero or that they're, they're going to bring anything to the table other than oh, that's that's horrible. That's nasty. Get it away from me. I mean, my farts bring disgust. So, and they're not bad guys. Uh, mine don't. I bottle them and sell them on eBay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> How much do you get for them? Because I could do some extra cash. <laughs> Not as much as they take to, to create. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've had me doing the manuscripts on this one. Um, it's just, yeah, we're just talking about farts, you know. Um, I mean... Hmm... Terrible bad guys, bad guys. The thing is, the problem with good, bad bad guys, the bad guys that don't make a good bad guy. This is <laughs> this, is, this is not the easiest conversation, <laughs> conversation to have, folks. Um, they're forgettable. So when yes. you say what's the what, give examples. I'm like, I, I you, don't you, remember you them, don't so I don't mm. guess I don't care about them. I don't, you know, I can tell you a hundred really amazing bad guys, but. Because they stick in your head. Yeah, they stay there. I tell you what, actually. Oh, oh, what's his name? The one in Batman with you. That one. Bane in the film. In the Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. I mean, what's interesting then is that Bane in the comics, and especially in Nightfall, which is what a lot of Dark Knight Rises was based on, Mm. is not only an incredibly popular character, which incidentally they didn't get right in Batman and Robin when... You, you know, they've never really. He's he was never a uh, kind of dumb brute character. Uh, he is somebody who's quite intelligent with all the power of what a dumb brute character would normally have. An ex wrestler um, and Mexican, which didn't quite connect with the, uh, the Nolan version, but the Nolan versions are different, so it's fine. Um, yeah, the the in those comics, he's incredibly popular. That's so, that's the thing. I was excited about him in the in the movie because he's supposed to be a good bat. They ruined it. They ruined Bane because all I can remember is just him going, oh, hot stand, and it just sounded like hat stand. And I got that I think from oh, uh, Ross Noble. I have put a name to my pain, and it is eczema. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I don't no, know if that's going to even come out. It's got so yeah. lower thing on the. But it's, I mean, it's Ross Noble did a sketch, and he said it sounded like hat stand, and that's all I can hear now. Um, and it just didn't, it didn't have that right thing. Another ba- shit bad guy was um, the electric whipcracker. Uh, Mickey Rourke played him in Iron Man. Oh, in, in Iron Man Two. Oh my God, that was a shit bad guy. Like, Iron Man Two, not a good film. Where did they go wrong with that? Because the um, all of it, yeah, <laughs> the script. Because like, the, the Mandarin in in three wasn't much better either. Yeah. Again, uh, relatively um, uh, an interesting character, I suppose. Not necessarily uninfluential, but an uninteresting character. Yeah, and I think that's it. Is it they, they, they're not interesting. You don't give a shit about them, and therefore you forget about them. And I've I've actually got a really good example of a bad bad guy. What predator in 
the predator. Yeah. Because you see too much of it. It's not yes. it's not like you were saying you, with with Alien, you know, you've got that horror element of it. Well you you kind of had that horror element of it with with Predator because of course you didn't see him in the first one until it's far too late. And if you watch Prey, you get that back a little bit. Mm. Because you know, there's there's other things that are kind of make that work. But um not so in the Predator, where it just it feels silly. The whole thing feels like, you know, super person in a in a in a in a suit, um, man in a skin, and you've got to beat man in a skin. That's when it sort of stops feeling real, I suppose. Yeah, um, I'd agree. I'd agree. I I never. I was always preferred the Alien films to the Predator films. Always. I've I've liked them both, but then. Predator and Predator 2 I thought were really good and I don't think that anything's really come close to them since Predators was okay but I it was too it was too much trying to be the original and kind of failing in doing that um and the latest one Prey is the really the spiritual successor to the first one which um needs to be watched by more people I think I'll tell you who another one of my favourite bad guys who's incredible was um, Annie Wilk from Misery. Yes, yeah. If you've read the book, if you've seen the film, oh bollocks! I just dropped my fan. If you see that, I was fiddling with it. I'm, I was down here. I was, I was sitting there fiddling with the fan that <laughs> just went boom across the room. Um, yeah, Annie Annie Wilkes from Misery. Now, if you've read, if you've seen the film but not read the book. Uh, read the book. It is horrific. It's more horrific than, it, than the film. The film is, yeah. is, is the story, but l it's a lighter version. The story is nowhere near as graphic. I don't think but, they could have got away with what's actually in Misery on no. screen at that time. Oh, they really couldn't. You know. The ending is completely different anyway. But mm. um, Annie Wilkes, I mean, particularly played by Kathy Bates, is an incredible baddie because... Yeah. It's the calm, cool, collected bad guy. Now, this is the thing we, you know, at some point we will talk about psychopaths and narcissists and, uh, you know, the, these types of baddies that you, you that you often seen and writing characters with those kind of traits. Um, they're usually one of the common traits for somebody who is 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 in that sort of category of of, of personality styles, which. It, you know where they are uh, very unpleasant people and have like, no empathy or low empathy um effective empathy they have uh, cognitive empathy but no uh, effective em empathy in most cases some have no empathy at all um mm. is that they are usually if not always appear to be very very nice very mm. this is the difference between nice and good mm. um that we're talking about they appear to be nice they're charming, they're calm, they're very, they will very calmly tell you how they're going to gut you in six different ways from Sunday, you know, and do it like it, they're talking about what they're doing next Sunday, you know, like, like you would go to talk about going to the beach. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Um, and 
they it, it's that it's that and she 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 gets that perfectly to her what she's doing is logical to her what she's doing is justified to her what she's doing makes complete sense she wants this writer to continue writing her favorite book series and to finish it off because she he killed her favorite character or something like that yeah and to her you know trapping the author and breaking his feet is perfectly reasonable um and she that's what makes her scary because to her now she plays i, I don't know whether it's sociopath or psychopath i think it's it, it's it's sort of somewhere between that they've tried to get her because sociopaths tend to enjoy the the killing and psychopaths tend not to um i think there was some kind of delusional element in there as well but yeah it was she's just it's this 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 she doesn't take necessarily pleasure at it but it, it's this creepy scary justification that it, to her it's normal you cannot rationalize it with her you can't sit there and go no getting stabby and killy is a bad thing she's like yeah but to and and, and she can then rationalize it and it, it that's what makes her i think such a scary buddy does that make sense it, it does because in many ways it's similar to nurse ratchet in uh, one flew over the cuckoo's nest Oh God! Yeah, the, I you watched know, that she, film once. I can never see it again. <laughs> the con she's has this level of control over all of the patients because mm. they're in that it's same similar uh, idea to the thing in that they're all stuck in this one place, and then the antagonist at that point, uh, okay, can't be anybody, but anybody can set that antagonist off, and you don't necessarily know when that antagonist has been set off where they're going to stop, how far they're going to go. So whether it's, you know, uh, keeping rations back or something like that, or giving through anti-psychotic anti drugs or something to, to people, um, you don't know quite where it's going to end. And of course, the, the humiliation that she puts people through is all part of that same process, uh, mm -hmm. that, that sort of that thing to keep uh, the, the keeping of control with that, that process but you know um in the okay. same way that the the uh the the thing would that the the control that the thing exerts isn't isn't mm. active control but it's sort of uh it's sort of passive it's sort of uh because of this we now have to do this and mm. because and some of those uh decisions that people have to make because of the this thing are horrible and gruesome um, and it's the same with cuckoo's nest in a, in a slightly different setting i think what makes the cuckoo's nest so haunting as a as a horror movie or as a psychological thriller is because it's set in an is is set in an institution for um people who have mental health issues yeah, yeah. um i'm choosing my word very carefully because i, I don't want to stigmatize any mental health issues um and well I that think, actually that's one of the things that cuckoo's nest does very well it actually doesn't really stigmatize mm, mental health issues it, and it's very clear that you know the 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 people in the asylum are the ones being um, traumatized. Yes, 
Yes. And, and treated badly. Well, this is the thing. It's, I mean, the main character, I think, is, isn't it Jack Nichols' character? He goes mm. in there thinking it's, because this has actually happened in real life to some degree, not completely, but this very scenario where, um, and there's a YouTube video about it where um, he's a criminal, he does something bad, and he goes for the, pleads insanity in order to get a better sentence and get to be in a cushy hospital, as, as, you know, with air quotes. Mm. Um and there was a psychopath who did this, <laughs> and he would have, he would have like had a couple of years or maybe five years, had he not gone into the 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 asylum. But then he ended up in there, and then they just kept him in, and everything he did became yeah. proof that he was insane. Yeah. And this is, um, it's a very powerful thing. And and you're a, right; that does that does happen in real life, and there's been, uh, a, you know, various times something will crop up in the press where it's mm. happened to somebody and some you know one of their fam- relatives have found out and Britney it's, Spears. it's yeah yeah exactly yeah Britney Spears yeah. it happened to Britney Spears and it wasn't it was she had to, and I've got so much respect for that woman because mm. she's had to fight on her own she had everyone against her her own father I mean that is gaslighting and that is that is outright that's what gaslighting does that is that is the the if you want to know what gaslighting looks like, look at what happened to that, Britney yeah, Spears. Yeah, that is it. Yeah, that is it. That is what it's designed to do. And they will. When you listen to um, an abuse survivor who sits there and talks to you about gaslighting, and they're talking to you about some of the insane things that happened to them, and you go, "That sounds mental. That couldn't happen." It does because gaslighters do insane things yeah. <laughs> to make you think you're going insane. So it sounds insane when you talk about it. It's supposed to. That's the point. And the more and again, it's a, there's a YouTube video with the, the psychopath John. I'll have to I'll have to look at a TED talk about it. Um, and the psychopath goes into Broadmoor, and they won't let him out because everything he does is proof of that he's a psychopath. If he denies he's mentally ill, that's proof he's mentally ill. If he admits he's mentally ill, that's proof he's mentally ill because he's now accepting that he's mentally ill. If he mm. wears a pinstripe suit, yeah, that means he's a psychopath. If he doesn't wear a pinstripe suit, that means he's this type. Everything, and that was what what this whole thing was is. You know, and, and I think Dr. Jessica Taylor talks about it a lot, is the over-pathologization of normality or of things that are outside of the cultural norms because psychology is all about cultural norms. Um, there's, yeah. there's conditions that exist in, in, in some Well, they talk about that a lot with um, ADHD and in young kids mm. when, it's, when it's diagnosed in young kids because there's a, an element of it which is, again, you know, pathologizing the the normal um and and i think that's possibly why some diagnoses get missed uh because it's well, well i mean lot, you, you know this material better than i do so well things that with with things like adhd a lot of time the times like adhd is literally just neurodiverse it means yeah, you, yeah, yeah. you don't meet the normal yeah your brain just works differently to the majority of people okay um it, so a lot but, of people yes, get misdiagnosed then, with things like borderline personality disorder and bipolar sure. when they actually have ADHD. Sure. Um, but but the then hearing of a class of, of kids where 90% of the boys are on ADHD meds. Yeah, that's, again, that's the over-pathologization of naughty behavior. Um, yeah. But again, this is the thing, the majority, and this is, this is really quite bad, um, most medical conditions, most psychiatric conditions, um, the criteria, the diagnostic criteria are based off white men. And because it was done so long ago, 
that's not against white men but it, it, mm, all it mm. means is that it's you know a heart attack many women die of a heart attack because our symptoms of a heart attack are completely different to the ones that are advertised because it's advertised based off right. this is what you'll have right, so right. a man the ones that we see every day is a male symptoms of a heart attack so that's your numb arm that's your pain in the jaw. women get a pain in the jaw and it feels like indigestion that's interesting and it's okay all right so i should point out i've been having a heart attack for the last 20 years <laughs> pains <laughs> in the chest no arms one. used a continuous heart attack that's just yeah well, i think it's shooting pains in the eye i don't know the, the exact thing <laughs> but it does look different and then you've you know adhd looks different in girls and then it does in boys autism well, looks actually, very no, different in girls that, more what's interesting about that is that that when kevin smith he of clerks mm. um when he had a heart attack, and he talked about this, he didn't have any of the symptoms of that you would normally associate with having a heart attack. And yet, what happened with him is that he had a a particular artery block, which they call the widow maker, because yeah. so many people don't know that you're having a heart attack when these symptoms are coming out. He was sweating and he felt ill and and all that sort of stuff. But it wasn't, you know, the normal symptoms that you associate with with having a heart attack, and that's. Luckily, they caught it, and he's okay. But yeah. But sorry, going back to the sort of the, the the mental health side in horror, I think this is what makes good bad guys. When you've got, well, that's why Cuckoo's Nest is is, is so frightening. I think is because yeah. the bad guy is a trained professional who is there to supposedly help you. And when it comes to mental health, it is subjective. Um, sure. Well, this is playing into how horror works psychologically anyway in mm. that the, the the bulk of horror is taking something that we know to be you know nice and pure and and, uh, and then subverting it so which is why you see so many horror things that are set in dirty hospitals for example um just a little fun fact sorry just reminded me oh, they've now finally disproven the chemical imbalance theory for, for depression and most mental health conditions Oh. They've disproven it because there is no chemical balance. There is no such thing as a balance, chemical right. balanced brain. There right. cannot be a right. chemical imbalance. And they've been set mis. It's, it was a big story everywhere. And there's I, one of my Dr. Taylor's it, has been saying this for years. Um, but they are over pathologizing, and this is this is where really good horror can come in. So one of the most recent ones that just made me go, "What the fuck are you talking about?" is grief disorder. Right. Isn't that just grief? Grief. Or... Yeah. So right. essentially, according to the DSM-5, you are not allowed to grieve for longer than six months. If you grieve for longer than six months, it becomes a disorder. And you're like, it... grief takes as long as it takes. So, yeah, there it's is... going to change per person. Just that... I, I, as, a, as an aside, complete aside, um, <sighs> I lost my dad about a month ago. Something that's been really, really good for me there's a podcast there's uh, a british comedian I, I suppose that's what she is actor actress uh called uh Caridad lloyd um and she's got a thing called grief cast mm. and it's where different people talk about their grief it's so good it's a really really good podcast if you haven't seen that do go and i actually mentioned it on twitter this week because it's i 
I've been watching old episodes of QI and I realized that I gravitated <laughs> towards ones where she was on it or David Mitchell or Phil Jupitus or uh, somebody else who, whose name escapes me because I am terrible with names. <laughs> it's the third time this morning. Uh, but anyway, I, I, I also then mentioned that I'd been listening to this thing and it is so good. It's just, it's a brilliant podcast and more people should listen to it. It's, yeah. So yeah. Just know that obviously, if you are grieving out there for somebody, it is normal, and it will take as long as it bloody well takes. And don't mm. let anyone tell you anything different. If it takes you a year, it takes you a year. If it takes you two or three or four years to deal with that grief, it and takes. It, as and long it'll as be it different takes. from it. And you might find that you have peaks and troughs where you mm. don't grieve, and then suddenly something will happen, and you'll yeah. go, "Okay, this is bad again." My cousin said to me, he didn't feel anything for months. And yeah. there was, then there was one point where it suddenly got, got to him and that, you know, it all came out in one go at that point. Um, I, I don't feel like that because I have grieved over the last month, you know, in various different ways. Um, but I don't feel like that now and maybe I will in future. I don't know, but, uh, it's, but what's really good what is really good is hearing other people talk about their experiences because yeah. you don't feel like you're alone anymore. It's it's the validation of your experience, isn't yeah. it? It's, it's hearing yeah. somebody else talk about it. And it, it, this is the thing about grief. You have to go through it. You have to feel it because otherwise... You can't not. I mean, you can't it just... not. You have to allow it to happen. Yeah. It is a, it is, it's a healthy thing to do. Um, you know, grief is healthy. And, and please, please, please don't don't try to you know, smother your grief, please, please, please. You know, and something to remember that, that grief, you, a lot of people say, well, how do you cope with grief? Grief itself is a coping mechanism. Yeah. It's the way that we cope with loss. So yeah. you don't deal with it, you experience it and that's yeah. fine. And you, you know, remember it is a temporary emotion. It is a valid emotion. Mm. Um, what you're feeling at that point is valid and the only way out is through um but it, it, it you know the, the emotion itself cannot hurt you it is a necessary emotion and you need to get it out it's better out mm. than in mm. but this is but the, just with the whole sort of mental health thing i mean they do it with with trauma survivors it's this thing with you know um if you are not the perfect victim then you are mentally unstable um there are cases where somebody's been brutally abused and this is this is the the britney spears thing they've been brutally abused they speak up about it and the first thing that happens is they're pathologized <laughs> medicated yeah. sectioned and yeah. you're like you're just going to continue because you know and, and and it's a frightening thing and i think it's a frightening horror thing you know concept of not being you know just having this if you and I think a lot of of, of, of sort of thrillers and, and things like that have done this concept. Black Mirror did it very well. Uh, they've done it on the Orville, where you know this thing of societal pressure and, and you must act this way, otherwise you are not normal. And if you're not normal, then you're insane. And if you're insane, you belong being locked away. Um, and that's what's scary. That is, I think, in itself, a terrifying bad guy. I think that makes the perfect. It, it, that mm. for me is is the worst bad guy that I or the best bad guy as it were that mm. I could see is 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 this you know the bad guy being the people there to protect you like the mental health institutions because these are also reflective in real life of this happens more so to women than anybody else particularly women of color mm. um, and because 
and I think somebody put it this perfectly, as a woman, if you fight back, you were abusive. If you don't fight back, you let it happen and it was your fault. If you leave, well, it couldn't have really been that bad because trauma bond. But if you stay, well, it couldn't have been that bad because you stayed. Um, you know, if you um, if you cry, then you're faking it because trauma victims don't cry. But if you don't cry, you're faking it because trauma victims cry. If you get upset and, and overly emotional, well, you're faking it because trauma victims don't get overly emotional. But if you don't show enough, you're wrong, you know. Um, you have to be pretty enough to, 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 to be, and excuse what I'm about to say, um, trigger warning, but this is this is in the eyes of victim blaming. Um, you have to be pretty enough to be raped, but not so pretty that you're asking for it. You've got to be dress attractive so that you're attractive to men, but not so attractive that they rape you. You've got to be, um, you've got to work hard, but not too hard, because if you work too hard, then you're a bitch and you're ignoring your husband or your partner or your whoever. If you, you have to be assertive, but if you're too assertive, then you're a bitch. But if you're not assertive enough, you're a doormat. That is what it is to live life and I don't know what it's like for men because I don't have that lived experience. I think men have a very similar sort of double standards thing, but different sort of things that they're expected. And I think with guys, it's you can't show emotion. But if you don't show emotion, it's toxic and mas masculinity. But if you do show emotion, then you're a pussy. If you don't, it, it, it's See, I, I think people get that wrong. And I, part of the problem is that it's not as well talked about. Um, it needs to be for, for guys. I, I've never been in the situation where people have, have uh, thought any less of me for showing emotion at all. Um, I think that's probably even, because you're around a lot of people who don't practice toxic masculinity. Well, no, no, look, even even uh, amongst people who uh, I don't know very well, I think when you do get emotional responses, people actually respond to those quite well. Mm. Um, it, it's it's language around other things that, that make that feel as if that's what it is but there's certain things that the guys do I, I just don't think have really been um acknowledged like you know we we will um use appalling language at one another uh mm. but it's it's again it's a way that we communicate rather than a particularly toxic thing that that happens but again um, I, I think i think that's that's the the thing with 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 the whole sort of understanding of what toxic means toxic is where it's harmful and yes but i think it the, the, the fact is that that is portrayed as a toxic thing as opposed to a way that the the men communicate i, I, I think it, i guess it depends it, on what it is that you're talking about though i mean if you're talking about grabbing people's pussies or you're talking well, I, about i'm not <laughs> you're not but if no. the, the group of women no i talking I, about, I mean i mean men who are talking with one another to one another about one another yeah, but women do that too like <laughs> sure sure <laughs> like, but it's we, not we... pathologized with women no everything else is though sure but... no 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 but well yeah <laughs> But I'm saying that, that, that specifically, specifically is looked at as, you know, people look at it from the outside and go, oh, but that's toxic behavior when in many cases it isn't. It's just, yeah. a, you know, um, but again, it, it's because we don't have these conversations. So yes. it's, it, it uh, needs to happen. It needs to happen. Um, but I, we've moved, we've I gone complete. Yeah. I think our 10% today. To some, to some degree <laughs> with, the, with the whole sort of the, the, I think the scariest things when it comes to bad guys 
when you're talking about sort of making, you know, some of the scariest bad guys are the, the bad guys that are there to, to, to help you and the inescapability of it, yeah. Um, yeah. particularly when it comes to things like the pathologization of a normal, healthy emotions or normal, healthy behavior. And, and uh, what we, yeah, like. what we've, I, I get more perhaps with the, the thriller aspect of it, but what we've mm. really just been talking about is, yeah, you know, take some of these, these psychological, um, uh, res- um, trying to think of the word. Uh, received. No, it just it's gone completely. Psychological. Um, received something or other. Uh, received opinions. There we, ah, there we go. <laughs> uh, and then play on those. That's a great way to start building a villain up. You yeah. Know. That, I think that's that's really what what it's all about, isn't it? Is it you know what we've what we've been saying. I mean, is is that? Yeah. In order to understand why things are villainous and why things are scary, then you have to understand how we work. Um, yeah, and to some extent. Not it is not worth learning a it, little bit about uh, you know a, well actually not a little bit a good deal about sort of psychology, forensic psychology, and to the point where actually I am I am now fascinated with the subject to the point where I want to do a PhD in forensic psychology. <laughs> I am planning how to fund it now, um, but um, and behaviour and and particularly sort of um, sort of looking at, at, at real life sort of monsters mm. um people mm. like ted bundy and 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 you know um i was gonna say marilyn manston and he is a real life monster but uh what i mean is charles marilyn manson. monroe charles manson okay yeah. the other one yeah right yeah. Okay. but charles manson's quite a clever one because again this is what makes him a real life buddy a very good real life buddy is because he never killed a single fucking person he managed no. to get other people to and that Again, a buddy who manipulates other people to do their bad their buddy work. Yeah, that is a terrifying buddy because people don't understand the power of manipulation. I think that there's a there is a uh, there is an understood truth as well that I think if you can tap into what that understood truth is um, of uh, and, and it's more of a zeitgeist thing, I suppose. Uh, then you can find where the the evil part of it is where the where the the the, the nastiness of something comes in. So, let's say that you wanted to uh, subvert an expectation, and you have uh, a a character that you want to be an environmentalist, and that's that you're playing on this environmentalism all the time, and then you realise that actually that environmentalism is leading to a point where they want to commit genocide, and they're moving all the gold. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, you've got poison ivy. Yeah. So, yeah, you, you know, you start well, off with something which is ostensibly a good thing. You want to look after the planet. And then you take it to such a... And again, it, it goes back to what I was saying about that, that uh, something which is good and pure and, and right, that's, that's the thing that you play off. And then you turn it into something which is the exact opposite of that. And that's where form. the horror thing, that's the switch for horror. I think that's the, the sort of the concept with the extremism. That's why extremes are, 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 are bad ideas because yeah, yeah, because yeah. that's where your horror comes in. So you've got something. Everything in moderation is good, but if you have too much of it, it's it's bad. Mm. Um, Thanos is the same sort of thing. He has a very good idea. Oh, yeah, the concept completely. is the world is overpopulated and we need less people in it, and there'd be more resources. That is correct. 
that is a very very good idea that how he goes about it by killing half the population it's, at random yeah, is, is yeah. a bad thing <laughs> yeah. and you're like you know that no, no, no dude and, no. and those things are good because it gives your villain and we really do have to stop here but uh, so those things are good because about, yeah it gives your villain a moral argument Mm. Whereas a lot of villains don't have that moral argument. Some villains espouse the, the moral arguments to, to the, the other ones just completely ignore it. So Joker, for example, his, his moral argument is almost like anti-morality <laughs> oh, in, yeah. in the way that it plays, you know. Um, but, um, He's a perpetual victim, isn't he, though, really? The, uh, the, the I, Joker. I don't know. He's an interesting one. I, um, we could probably do a whole episode on Joker, oh, actually. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I bet we could probably you probably do a PhD on on Joker just alone. I would love to. Um, <laughs> uh, but the the uh, definitely the character who has some sort of moral crusade. Yes. Even though on the face of it, that moral crusade could be a bad thing. If the way that they're going about it. Uh, disgusts us in some way that's a good start a good starting point for a villain because you get um you get this duality between something which should be good and something which actually isn't mm. with that it's time to say goodbye for, for today's video please do go and visit us at murderingapodcast.com where you can not only find show notes but links to our patreon which will help us create more uh, and interesting uh, arty things uh, in in future uh, yeah, and if you go to our Patreon, you can give us ideas too. And yes, you can do that. And you can until tell next time, folks. Things <laughs> until next time, folks. We're, we're, I'm thinking gone. of a Discord server that might happen at some point. Um, yeah, until next time, thanks ever so much for coming <laughs> along. We've we've exhausted ourselves. Uh, we've been going uh, uh, three hours now. I yes. had to. I couldn't count up to three. That's how bad it's been. It's uh, lots. Many, many lots, many, many <laughs> lots. It is, it is. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. Good luck. Bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. That was Murdering a Podcast. And if you'd like to find out more information about the podcast, the Mystery Lounge, or anything mentioned in the show, please head over to murderingapodcast.com. The music was The Secret of Tiki Island by Kevin MacLeod, and the producer was Steve Meller. Until next time, thanks for listening.